Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. This is going to be a really packed show on the Chris Johnston Show today. We are going to spend quite a bit of time on the Mitchell Miller situation and i'll add this as we peer behind the curtain a little bit we are actually recording right now as cam neely president of the bruins is addressing media we will get to that a little bit later in the show we will get two questions for ask cj and we will uh talk to david bastel on the other side of this segment for our you can bet that segment with sports interaction there is one thing I've noticed, because I, I do want to start off a little light. Well, sort of light here. Or at least you can see with how I'm going to frame this. There's a storyline that you mentioned from uh, one of our previous episodes where we looked at the 10 best storylines. There's a storyline that's starting to not become as true, or at least is, uh, has changed in recent days. I'll go through that list here. Uh, the NHL's Department of Player Safety has been quiet. It's the last bullet point you have uh, on the uh, the story you wrote about that and also that episode we did on storylines. And about in the less than two weeks since we've uh, highlighted that, uh, we're now coming off a weekend where both Josh Anderson of the Montreal Canadiens and Matthew Kachuk have both been suspended for their gestures. So much for being quiet. Yeah, I think I also attached like a little bracket at the bottom of that item and was like, I'm knocking wood because I know that there's games every day and, and you, you you know, let's face it, it's not going to be quiet forever. Uh, I mean, where do we start with these suspensions? You know, the the Anderson one is pretty clearly a dangerous hit on Alex Petrangelo. I don't I don't really see. I really don't see debate in either case, frankly, I guess the debate might be, especially with Kachuk's that, that you know, there's an intent to injure there, perhaps. You know, he should have been given more than the two games he did receive. Um, but yeah, we're we're starting to see the temperature go up a little bit around the league. And and it was a it was a really quiet October, though. If you look historically, there there just was not uh, many suspensions or fines or, or the like given out. But uh, you know, the calendar flipped to November and everyone's getting a little more spicy. Yeah, seriously. You're right on the Josh Anderson hit. That's pretty blatant. But I, I want to focus on the Kachuk play a little bit more where he he gets called for high sticking. He essentially puts a stick inside Jonathan Quist, Jonathan Quick's mask. Like when you see that, how, does that change Kachuk's reputation? Is that something that kind of rings bells in your mind about the type of player that Matthew is? It's like one of those things that just feels unnecessary, right? I mean, we understand the sort of agitating pest like aspect of his game that that's part of, you know, what he's seeking to do. Um, but you know, he doesn't have to go to that level. And and it's funny, I was not watching that game. And and but I, you know, I looked at Twitter and, and I saw a couple of people highlighting the play. And I had to watch it like three times to figure out what happened there. Like it, it was sort of sneaky slide dirty. I mean, once you once you realize what he's doing, you can you, you can see the the intent is clearly there to to do just that and to you know get in Jonathan Quick's grill. Um, but yeah, I don't know that it it doesn't. A lot of stuff happens on the ice. It doesn't change my in total view of him, but I do think that's an unnecessary sort of unforced type of play. You know, I, I don't mind him, you know, jawing at opponents. I don't mind him, 
playing hard between the whistles, but just just junk like that. You we just you don't need it. You, let's just face it, you just don't need it. There's a line, and that's that clearly was right across it. I'm glad that you also expressed confusion in looking at it because I think I was trying to look at three different players at the, with the clip going on before I realized, oh, that's Matthew right kind of behind Jonathan Quick getting the stick in. I, I was at one point, I would think I was looking at someone who ended up being, I think, Carter Verhage. I'm trying to figure out, well, what did he do? There's another player on the ice not too far. I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. And then I noticed the the stick. It took me a while to. I didn't know if he stepped on him at first or if, if I was to be watching something with his feet, you know, because anyway, it was, it was, it was sneaky. Um, but the cameras caught it. There's cameras everywhere at these games now. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have minded seeing a little longer suspension there. You know, Matthew Kachuk's been suspended before. Mm-hmm. I, and I think again, where I am with hits and, and we've had this discussion, sometimes a, a hit is an awful hit that you're not defending but we can't necessarily say the intent was bad with a hit because the, the play is so fast. Right. And and so we're not between the ears of a player and, and you might, you know, we don't know always what someone's thinking in that case, you can see what he's thinking, right? Like the intent isn't really up for debate. It's not like his stick just happened to get caught there by accident. I mean, that that's a deliberate direct act and it's done, you know, to, to cause injury and certainly to get into the, the mind of the goaltender. So, you know, I, I think that there, there, there could have been a case for, a longer suspension there, but you know, I don't think the league in general wants long suspensions. You know, Matthew Kachuk's a, you know, a premier player and, you know, the Florida Panthers are better with him in the lineup. It's, it's better for the game if players like him are in the game. And so I, I don't think it's a league mandate in general to suspend too long. I just think that, that they, they want to have some degree of suspension because you have to have, you have to have a line somewhere, but, but ultimately they're not looking to take these guys out of the out of the action for for too long. The biggest reason why I was paying attention to that potential suspension for Matthew Kachuk, if it went anywhere around five games, we're talking about him potentially missing uh, the uh, him hosting the Calgary Flames, I believe, on the weekend of the 18th of November. In fact, they play each other twice, uh, in two different venues in the month of November. So uh, to your point about uh, not long suspensions, I wonder if the NHL saw that date in the calendar and thought, hmm, let's table that date. I don't know if they think quite like that, but I mean, that's the general thinking, though, right? I mean, look, the owners, it, it's a really fine line. I think justice is it's its a difficult thing because obviously if you just started handing out 10 game suspensions all over the place, you'd probably have a lot cleaner sport because, you know, no player wants to miss that much time, lose that much money all those sorts of things. But, but then you're taking players out of the game for, you know, a 12th of the season or whatever. So a 10th of the season. And so, you know, I, I do think it's, it's not an easy job. I'm actually somewhat more sympathetic to them. You know, I, I know, I understand why people are critical and have all these memes about NHL player safety. I think that they're, I think they're tasked with a near impossible job and they're just trying to keep it somewhere fair. And they're trying to have the game, not go into crazy vigilante justice. Anyway, uh, it, it has still been a pretty clean season, all things considered, um, compared to where we've come from. And um, yeah, let's just hope we don't see. Like, we just don't need that one. Again, the Josh Anderson play, you don't like that hit, but it's in the course of a game. I'm not certain he's out there trying to injure Alex Petrangelo. I think it's a situation gone wrong, a bad decision made in a split second. Um, I do think those things are going to happen at a sport played at this speed that's this physical. But you know, some of the, this this sort of sideline stuff we don't need. Exactly. Also, every time you say vigilante justice, I think of you in the Batman costume. 
Oh man, I'm trying to forget. That. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, time to bring on David Vassell from Sports Interaction. Uh, only for those 19 and over, Ontario only. We ask that you play responsibly, and there is a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of the show. Remains to be seen if we'll have links to vigilante justice in that in the description. Uh, but you'll definitely uh, find uh, some great stuff in the description. It's time for you can bet that. Okay, it's time to talk Mitchell Miller. This is one of the strangest, weirdest, most infuriating, frustrating, disappointing stories I think I've ever had to, I mean, not really cover, but just talk about on any type of platform. Because there's been so many moments from the beginning of this on the Friday to the present day, where again, as I mentioned before, we are we're doing this as Cam Neely is addressing the media. There's been so many moments where you're just like, "What? Why did this? Why is this happening? This person's involved. This person said this." Uh, we can go through, I guess, a bit of a mini timeline, uh, where on Friday the Boston Bruins announced they were signing uh, the controversial defenseman Mitchell Miller who had been convicted in a juvenile court for bullying a black uh, special needs teenager on repeated instances. Uh, The Bruins had signed him to an entry-level contract in the hopes of just having them on their team. Uh, Members of the Bruins like Patrice Bergeron, Nick Foligno, and Brad Marchand commented on it, seemingly not in favor. Gary Bettman seemingly surprised at what happened saying that it would take a lot for Mitchell Miller to be eligible in the National Hockey League it's revealed throughout the weekend that Eustace King is his agent uh he puts out a statement listing some of the different organizations uh that Miller worked with one in particular the Carnegie Initiative says no they didn't and then on the Sunday night Miller's contract terminated all the while, CJ, the family of the victim of the terrible thing that Mitchell Miller did, uh, not consulted by the Bruins, Miller apparently tried to reach out to the family via Instagram DM. I know I'm missing out on a few other pieces of commentary and maybe other finite details, but when you consider everything that's happened over the last little while, it's it's very strange, and for a lot of hockey fans who have made it known online, very disappointing. Yeah, it's mind-boggling that that happened. And it was inevitable from Friday midday when the Bruins announced this that this was not going to... Like, there was no world that this was going to work out. And they they made a terrible decision. They Like, a reprehensible, awful completely there's no small justification out there that they can say yeah but and they didn't think of the victim and and i think that that's something that's been lost in a lot of even the commentary i've seen you know i can't even put myself obviously in in this person's shoes but i i can do the degree to think of imagine having this just come up repeatedly and and sort of having to relive all this stuff and and knowing all along that that there's been no absolutely zero remorse shown from Mitchell Miller towards Isaiah Meyer Crothers, uh, the you know the the boy he bullied for years, and so I, I think the one thing that 
is important to understand here is there is a path back. Like if you want to talk about second chances for people, but you really have to have shown some legitimate contrition, like, and an apology on social media a week before signing this contract is not even close to that, obviously. So I, I can't believe, you know, the Bruins didn't phone the victim's family at least to get more information um, before ever, you know, as part of whatever due diligence that they claim to have conducted here. And as of Sunday night, they still hadn't phoned the victim's family, even with an apology. Now they put an apology in the press release, you know, from Cam Neely while announcing that they were parting ways with Mitchell Miller. But, you know, I just think that this was bungled from top to bottom by the Bruins. I'll give their players credit too, Julian. I was in their dressing room on Saturday morning. They had a morning skate after this was announced. I, in my entire career, cannot recall an instance seeing players openly disagree with their organization in the forceful, respectful manner that that the three players you mentioned did. Um, that should tell you everything you know. I mean, let's face it. Players generally want to stay in their own lane, not wade into topics of what management decisions are. Like Patrice Bergeron, probably one of the most respectable and respected athletes in our entire sport, is saying, I disagree with this. This isn't what the Bruins stand for. This isn't the culture that we built here. Uh, Brad Marchand, Nick Foligno, a newer member of the team. You know, the fact that management did something that their own players were questioning in real time, that Don Sweeney had a press conference on Friday afternoon. And he said, I, I can't defend the decision categorically, say this is correct. I, I don't know how they got here. I don't know how they did that. They must have they must have obviously thought they could get away with it, right? This is an organization that doesn't have a ton of prospects. Obviously, they've been all in trying to win for years and years and years. And they saw an opportunity to grab a right shot defenseman who put up big numbers in the USHL last year and everything else be damned. I can't I I can't figure out anything other than that is what they were thinking. And I mean, if you want to find some hope in all this or or is it categorically no one defended them if you know what i'm saying i didn't see anyone out there defending them like the league didn't have their back the american hockey league wasn't i don't believe gonna let mitchell miller play for them play in that league uh, even though that decision hadn't been reached uh their fans their own players the media i mean there was nobody standing up or very few people standing up saying like this this makes sense and so they just they got it wrong and now they're eating it and you know I, i've seen in some of the the tweets that have come out matt porter Ty Anderson, you know, some of the reporters there in Boston covering Cam Neely's press conference. I mean, he's admitting they made, made the wrong decision, that they didn't phone the family. They should have phoned the family. But all that should have been obvious, you know, before they ever got to the point of, of signing a contract. This should leave a stain on the Boston Bruins organization in some way, right? Like, this shouldn't just be something that, you know, we 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 make a big deal of in the moment. And then six months later, we're just like, oh, yeah, the Bruins, they're this like this is something that people should remember for a very long time and i think the fact that the players went against them and the fans obviously are going to i think a lot more fans nowadays are trying to be up to date on this type of stuff and are trying to be a little bit more conscious about it the fact that they're up on it like this isn't something that we should just be like oh yeah that was just like a random fever dream weekend like this is something that we should be we should be pointing this out at the boston Bruins for a long time that is a bad mistake on their part to even consider bringing about a player who has shown no remorse for what they did and 
I mean, look, we want to talk about second chances and we want to talk about them uh, <laughs> about them doing the work to 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 earn that second chance. Putting yourself in a situation, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to be graphic with the details here, where you're co- consistently bullying a teenager doing disgusting acts to the point where the victim has to take an SDT, SDT, an, 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 sorry, like a, a, an SDT test. Like what? And, it, it, and the fam. Oh my god, it's it's a very infuriating situation. I'm trying not to, you know, dialing it back here. Like it's absolutely ridiculous in terms of earning a second chance. If you want to get to a point where you want to be a functional person of society, that's one thing. But to a point where we have to talk about. Hey, he has to do this work so he can play in the National Hockey League. Now we're at a point where we're like, well, you know what? He's never going to play in North America. Maybe you'll just be some other team's problem. I don't feel he's deserving of that. Playing hockey should be a privilege. And to a point where a guy like Mitchell Miller should be able to, you know, maybe could still play in some lower tier league somewhere even after what he did. I think it's bullshit. It's such bullshit. Like there's no. Yeah, but we don't know that. We don't know that he's going to play anywhere. I mean. We don't, but let's see where this you, goes. I, I don't see anywhere for him to play anywhere near North America. But that, that's it, right? Like, like the fact that, you know, our first thinking is, I mean, if it wasn't for what's going on in Russia, our first thinking is, well, yeah, he'll go play in Russia. Like, I don't really feel he should be deserving of that. But anyway, um, what about in, in terms of? Well, yeah, the Bruins for, are going to yeah, wear go this, though, like to make you yes. speak the original point, of course. I mean, Cam Neely, Don Sweeney, this this is something that they now is is very publicly on their record, right? I mean, they've both now had to have press conferences discussing this signing. In, in Sweeney's case, he was loosely trying to defend it, although he really didn't do a compelling job. In Neely's case, he's falling on the sword and having to apologize and and highlight all the areas that they, they messed up. Um, yeah, I think this does reflect terribly on their organization. And, and let's remember... I mean, I don't know how long that lasts for like this. That's, you know, I put out a tweet on Sunday night. Like, I don't know how to quantify the damage done here because it's so hard to know how we'll view. I mean, we're never going to view this as it just, you know, time sometimes whittles away our memories of things. But I do think this is going to stay with them for a long time. I I really can't remember a situation like this. The closest situation like this is when Arizona drafted this kid and then had to renounce the draft pick. I'd never seen that before. Uh I, I can't really think of a time I've seen anything like this. Like within two days, they're renouncing the contract. I mean, it's it's not clear yet if they're terminating this deal, uh, which would mean they they probably don't have to pay him, or if if it's a buyout of some sort in which they they will have to pay a penalty. You know, maybe they'll they'll cite a breach of contract and go to some sort of form of arbitration. You know, maybe claiming that that the player lied here or misrepresented himself. I, I don't I don't know how they're getting rid of this, but I mean it's it's going to cost them some money and it's cost them a lot more important things than money. I mean, their, their credibility as an organization takes a massive hit. And as I say, at least the players, I, I give those guys credit. Honestly, I have so much respect. This is what I find weird. You know, the years I've been a journalist in the NHL, Julian, the, the Bruins have been a top organization most of that time. Um, you know, I've covered them in, in three Stanley cup finals. I have a lot of respect for a lot of people in their organization, but Unfortunately, everybody kind of wears this a bit, but you know, I'm really impressed that those players stood up and made their voices heard. Cause I think all of that has all of that added to the snowball going downhill that the Bruins had no choice but to get to to get out from under this deal, right? I mean, you you have the players saying what they did, you have the, the commissioner of the league speaking out, you have the fact the AHL is probably not gonna let the the, the players skate in Providence. 
you know, you get to a point and, and then, you know, the Carnegie Institute uh, tweets that you mentioned, you know, there's just, just, there was so much momentum. The Bruins had no choice by, by Sunday night, to, but to get out from under this and, and wear it. And I think they'll be wearing it for a long time. Do you think that Don Sweeney and or Cam Neely will be removed for the, for their jobs for this? Is that an actual discussion worth having? I don't know. Honestly, it's, it's because ultimately they work for the Jacobs family and, and who knows what to, you know, I don't know how they view this. I guess there's a possibility though. I mean, look, it's, it's clearly a form of mismanagement. It's a pretty, pretty big piece of mismanagement. So I, I don't know how their ownership will view that. Um, but at this point, I mean, there's no reason to think that's the case, I suppose, because Cam Neely's out answering questions and apologizing. So I assume that that he's okay, but I'm not sure what the follow will be beyond that. Okay. Um, trying to just keep track of, of some of the quotes that are are coming in as we're, uh, we're recording live, but, um, one of my, uh, Colleague in the business, uh, Jimmy Murphy, who covers uh, the Boston Bruins for for Boston Hockey now, uh, I think uh, is at that press conference. And he did ask a question. I'm actually trying to pull it up here. He says, uh, he just put out a tweet. I asked uh, Bruins team president Cam Neely on whether or not he felt duped uh, by Mitchell Miller and Eustace King. And he said he couldn't get into that at this time. And he also asked Neely if this will go down as the biggest regret of his career as an NHL exec. And he says, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's something that they'll have to wear forever. And the fact that the victim wasn't consulted uh, by the team in any of this, an absolute blind spot, it just a big blind spot on the part of the Boston Bruins. It's something we should not forget. And it, and 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 we've seen it some of the commentary. One article in particular from from Michael Stevens, who writes for the Hockey News, it makes it seem as if the sport of hockey hasn't learned from some of the past events we've had to all kind of sift through with the Kyle Beach incident in, in Chicago, for example. Like it's just yeah, I, another I shot towards that, though, hockey like, culture. That's interesting. Okay, like it, look at it. It's I guess it's a fair point, but. We don't know of one other team that was willing to sign this guy. Like, like I think this team deserves the heat. We're putting the heat on him. I don't even think it ends here. Honestly, like I think at some point Bruins ownership is going to have to answer for this as well. Uh, I, I don't think this will just go away. But how can we say all of hockey culture is broken? And I'm not defending it, but like my point is, is look at all the people that came out and applied pressure here. I mean, to me, there's some signs of growth in that. I'm not saying like, oh, let's sit around and clap because like this is an awful situation. And again, I, I feel like what gets lost a lot is, you know, the victim and his family and this, you know, they have to live through this all again, right? Like they're, they're thrust into the media. They're, they're having to answer all these questions. They're having to, to relive all the things that Mitchell Miller did to their son. Um, and that's just, that's awful. But I don't know that all of hockey's broken here. Like I, I actually look at it like this shouldn't have happened at all, but look at the, look at the reaction. Look at how sternly Gary Bettman spoke against it. Um, I don't see anyone putting their heads in the sand here on this. You know, I, I see growth in this, honestly. Um, let's face facts. We're never going to get to a day where, where shit's going to happen. It's just the truth. Like, unfortunately, we, we worked for a better world, but we're never going to get to a perfect world in, in anything, in any aspect of society. And 
you know, I, I see hockey holding itself to a higher standard here than maybe in the past. Honestly, I, I saw a lot of people speaking out about this and including players. Again, it's not something I've seen from players before. I've never, ever, ever seen players say, like, I disagree with management, like, openly like that. Um, so, I don't know. I, I Look, at I, I think hockey culture deserves to be criticized. That's not, like, at times... There's absolutely like it's fair criticism and there's all kinds of things that aren't great. But I I think you can look at this situation and see growth from from what would have happened 10 years ago. I think hockey culture is in the process of being fixed. I think it is broken. But to your point, yes, like there have been a lot of people speaking out against this. There are a lot of people who are making the point, you know, hey, like we're not keeping our heads in the sand. We're going to make this a story and we're going to spotlight this. And did anyone because, with a yeah. platform, like with a sorry to interrupt, Julian, but did anyone with a real platform stand up and defend this? Can't think like, of anyone who would. I realize like some people took some reporters took criticism, maybe for not coming out so so harshly against it, but like I didn't see anyone actually try to defend this and be like, this kid deserves a second chance or something. Um like yeah, only the Bruins, only the Bruins messed this up. Let's be honest. Like they're the only team, like I know of other teams that were contacted by the representation for Mitchell Miller. And it was like a short three second conversation. Like, I don't, I don't get the sense there was like 10 teams lining up to sign them or anything like that. I, I think it was a hard slog for them to even find one. And, and that one made a huge mistake. 100%. Um, the point I was ultimately trying to make here is that because of what has happened over the last year or so, even beyond that, I, I really feel that there are a lot more people who are realizing, hey, we need to be we need to be up to date on these things and we need to put people's feet to the fire when it comes to these serious topics. If we're going to be anywhere, if we're going to be anywhere close to fostering a better culture for for hockey. And yeah, I guess when stuff like this happens, it's very easy to say, well, all of hockey culture is still in a bad place and it's broken and all that. I, I still think it is. But. To your point, Siege, like, yeah, there are people who are trying to make it better and they're trying to fix this. And I think you're right. The reaction, you made a really good point, actually. The reaction to this is a sign that, you know, there are people trying to make it better. And I think it's it's very fair to say, like, hey, there are people trying to make the sport better. Uh, that being said, yeah, definitely still broken of a, of a culture. The fact that a team would think of doing this. I mean, whether or not it's Mitchell Miller duped them or whatever, that you're right. They thought they could get away with this. And that's still a very, very big problem. The fact but that they, the organization just thought it was an isolated incident. And they didn't get away with it. This is you're this right. is like a giant pie in the face. Like this is we're talking about an original six team, a team that's won more games in the last 10 or 15 years than pretty much everyone else. Like we're talking about guys on this roster going to the Hall of Fame. Like this is an esteemed franchise, and they are being dragged on this, and and rightfully so. Like I, I this is, I think it's a really big moment. Honestly, again, I wish it didn't happen. Like I'm not, I'm not just trying to pull like the, the little positives out of an awful story and and what just had to have been a brutal experience for the victim and his family. But I, I, I think you can look at this and say like things are changing, man. Uh, maybe not quick enough. This should never have happened to begin with. But like, do you think, I mean, I'd like to think that this will give everyone pause in the future. I, I don't know. I, I see some growth in, in 
the wider league's response to all this? Two other things I want to mention before. Um, actually, three things, really. Um, one, another tweet uh, just from the press conference here, uh, Connor Ryan, Cam Neely on how the how much comments the how much the comments of veterans like Nick Felino and Patrice Bergeron on Saturday influenced Sunday's decisions to cut ties with Miller. There's a lot of factors in this decision, and that was one of them. That's the first thing. The second well, thing is they should have listened. Oh, they talked. They, talked they should to have Patrice listened. Bergeron, Patrice Bergeron talked to management a week before and said he wasn't on board. Like it should it shouldn't have even gotten to this point. Yeah, that's the cra- that's the craziest part to me is like that you bother to consult Patrice Bergeron and you don't heed his advice. Like that it's actually I mean, I would trust Patrice Bergeron to run that team more than the people in charge of it right now. Like I I think the world of that guy. I think he's I think he's like beyond reproach. Like just been one of the classiest players of this generation. Really thoughtful, smart guy, polite, just just if he was running the organization, they wouldn't have signed him. And one day he would probably will be running the organization. Cam Neely on if he is planning discipline for anyone within the Bruins organization for this signing. This is also from Connor Ryan. That's something I have to deal with today and this week and see where it takes me. It should not have gotten to this point if you're going to bring in the leadership core in place. Not to mention, Patrice Bergeron had to answer about this on two different occasions. You're mentioning the 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 scrum you had with him when the, when the Bruins were in Toronto. He had to do that interview with Elliot Freeman as well. Like, that's two instances where Patrice Bergeron has to speak on this instance. And, and well, I'm sure geez. they're going to have to talk about it again today. I don't know what their schedule is, but whenever their players are next speaking to the media, it will continue to be a topic, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, the two other things I wanted to mention, the Eustace King thing for me, for me personally, like that is the biggest, that is the biggest mind-blowing moment for me. Just because, look, the fact that the victim is black, obviously, for me, uh, in terms of representation, that's something I think about. The fact that Mitchell Miller's agent is black, like I can't not get that out of my head. And I wish I had a better line of thinking for how I want to discuss that part of it. But that is the biggest, like, I can't, that's like of all the things to be like, wow, I can't believe they, this team would do this. Wow. I can't believe this signing would happen. The fact that Mitchell, Mill, the biggest plot twist in all this is that the, the Mitchell Miller's agent is not just a black man, but, but sits on, 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 on like, is it the league's like chair of diversity and inclusion, like, and has, has prominent black clients and has a, client who is known for doing something terrible to a black teenager like that doesn't compute in my mind that doesn't make any sense and it really it bothers me it it really bothers me i can't imagine what those clients those other clients like wayne simmons would feel but as someone who watches the game is trying to you know cares very much about representation seeing people like me in either places of 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 management or agents or even in podcasting like this this bothers me. And I'm sorry I don't have a better thought than that to be like, oh, well, you should have done this or whatever. All I can really say is that this bothers me. This very much bothers me. I don't know if in my 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 writing career or anything like that where I'm from gonna have to deal with Eustace. I don't know how that's gonna go. Actually, I did interview him for another story years ago, but I don't know how how often I'm gonna have to do that. The only thing I could really say is that that really bothers me. And I know. And I know among other black hockey fans, I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. That is the big thing I want to say about Eustace. The only other thing I could say 
is uh, my colleague at The Athletic, Flutushin Zawa, has done an incredible job in covering the story, uh, reaching out to the Meyer Crothers family, being right on it from the jump. He's also in that press conference as well with Cam Neely. And I will also show love uh, to Sean Gentili, who has also done a great job in 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 writing about this as well. Uh, so I will uh, just mention those two uh, writers. And if you're subscribed to The Athletic, please read their work over the last few days because they have done a tremendous job in covering the story. I think, uh, I guess the only other thing I could say is just, you know, you know, thinking of the victim at this time. Uh, I can imagine they're not doing well, and I believe it's been reported that they're not doing as well uh, with everything that is going on. Uh, CJ, is there anything else you want to add before we move on? No. What a okay. shitty thing. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It's a really shitty thing. Um, we do have asked CJ questions and, uh, we are going to make them a little lighter. It is a bit of a tougher transition. Um, there are some other NHL topics. I don't know, CJ, if you want to still kind of go to those or if you want to just go straight to ask CJ. Maybe just go to ask CJ. I mean, we got a Thursday show. We can, we can go around the league a little bit more then, but this, this was too important for us to, to, you know, just pigeonhole into a five minute conversation. 100%. Thank you to everyone who sent questions in uh, over Twitter, uh, over Discord as well. Uh, We always appreciate uh, the Ask CJ segments on the Monday. Um, And yeah, again, a bit of a tough transition from our previous topic to now. Uh, But these things are going to happen as uh, the culture of hockey is in the process process of being fixed. So let's get to this first tweet from uh, RWJumper123 which is actually about the New Jersey Devils. This is a really interesting question, CJ. Waiting for some talk on the Devils' hot start. Is the Devils' rebuild officially over and destined for the playoffs? Great comeback over the Oilers the other night. If I'm not mistaken, you've listed the New Jersey Devils as a sleeper team, haven't you? You're actually big on the New Jersey Devils doing well. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember all my other predictions, and I'm sure they're all gone to junk, but that was that was one of my predictions that they were going to be – they were going to be the sleeper team of the, the the year, the team that that took the biggest jump that no one was really talking about or wasn't wasn't getting a lot of hype. So, so far, I feel pretty good about that. What's interesting is is my thinking at that time was, you know, digging into the results and talking to some people around the team is that the thought was if they just sort of got average goaltending, you know, because they had such poor goaltending last year that 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 alone would would see them rise. Well, they're not really getting great goaltending just yet. And and that might still come. It's it's early days, but uh, I didn't look before our show this morning. But they were still like high eight hundreds as a team save percentage. So it's not like all of a sudden they're they're throwing a Carter Hart in there, which is you know a big reason why Philadelphia's off to a good start. Is Carter Hart's been out of his mind? Um, you know, Philadelphia, or New Jersey rather is doing it with basically their young players are are taking the next step. Obviously, Jesper Bratz had a huge start to the year. What a great story he is. I mean, he's a fourth fifth round pick anyway lower round draft pick he's still only 24 he's had a, a hot start you know having jack hughes back healthy nico Heischer. they're just a good team and um yeah I, I think i think the year the year is there for them what's interesting is who falls out right you have washington and pittsburgh um two two sort of perennial teams you know making the playoffs in the metropolitan division both are kind of skidding out of the gates here. You know, maybe it's one of those teams that, that gets leapfrogged by the Devils. But I, th- I think New Jersey is worthy of some hype, and we're going to be talking about them a lot because, you know, I, I could see them being a team 
that if if this continues as you get later towards the traded line, you know, maybe they're looking at adding to to bolster those playoff chances. And and um, you know, I think that there's I think there's a lot of good things going on with the Devils. And that's it's kind of how it's supposed to work, right? I mean, teams like New Jersey and Buffalo and, and Detroit to a lesser degree, like they've they're they've been down for a while, they've drafted high, and then you develop those players and and eventually you're supposed to ascend up the standings. Yep. Uh, they also got that win over the Calgary Flames over the weekend. They looked like a really good team. Uh, I know Calgary's kind of a little bit on the downward slide, but seeing guys like Jack Hughes try to step up, I know Brant was held pointless in that game. But they have a lot of young talent. Uh, they're, they're, they look really cool. And it's still not lost on me that fans at the beginning of the year booed Lindy Ruff, and now the Devils seem to be doing pretty well. It's funny how things change. Well, look, where uh, we were. a yeah. week ago, what were we doing? We were like running the Leafs out of town and they won three straight games since then. And all of a sudden, no one's firing coaches, no one's trading star players and everything's, you know, winning, winning is the best uh, antidote to any, any sort of criticism or, or complaint from the fans and the media. Well, you would think. And then the Boston Bruins did what they did. Anyway, uh, Matthew, uh, M.W. Bauer on Twitter has the next question. How long have you been growing your beard? <laughs> Uh, a couple of years. It, it it all started. I probably told the story, but you know, I'm I'm notorious for retelling stories on the pod because we have so many pods. But a, a few years ago, I just let the beard grow in the summertime because I wasn't on TV, and I actually went to a party at Nick Kiprios's house, who was my colleague at Sportsnet at the time, and our stylist Deb Berman was there, and she's like, "Hey, that looks good on you. Do you want to keep that?" Uh, and so that's that's kind of how I got to keep it because believe it or not, you know. TV has a say in what you look like. Um, and so they, they approved it and, you know, I've, I've basically had it ever since. So that's probably four or five years now. And I don't see a circumstance. I get rid of it. It needs a little trimming. Now, if you're, if you're watching us on YouTube, got to get got to get it dialed in before hockey hall of fame weekend uh, coming up this week, big weekend in hockey here in Toronto. But um, yeah, it's been a few years and, and I enjoy not having to shave every single day. I don't think I've ever heard that story. One, two, what's your beard uh, routine? Like, what do you have like beard oil you're using? Like, like, what's the routine with taking care of your beard? Yeah, I, I have beard oil that I, I put in there. And, I, and then I largely just go to my man safe, um, my barber here in Toronto to to get it done properly. So I haven't seen safe. So this is not his fault that it's a little shaggy at the moment in the last couple of weeks, but uh, normally go get it trimmed up. That's for me. It's like one of my favorite things. Like, I, I don't know why going to get a haircut and a beard trim, like safe is awesome. Uh, my guy couldn't, couldn't speak higher uh, of him. If you're in Toronto at, at rendezvous barbers, that this is a non-paid ad, uh, but just, they do a great job. And I go sit for like an hour and we catch up on life and um yeah, I, that's like that's like a decadent activity for me. And not just because you end up looking good. Like I just you feel pampered when you go there. I love it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we share the same appreciation for good barbers and being pampered for that hour. It means the world uh, from damn Daniel on Discord. All star sleepers. Who do you think could make the all star game this year that we wouldn't have thought of at the start of the season? Gabe Velarde in Los Angeles comes to mind. Yeah. How about Jesper Bratt? I don't think he would yeah. have been. Too high on everyone's list. Uh, Dominic Kubalik's had a huge start in Detroit. Um, you know, free agent signing for them. I mean, let's face it, it's probably going to be Dylan Larkin or, or something like that when push comes to shove. But, you know, maybe someone like him gets in there. Um, I mean, Eric Carlson, we've, he's been an all-star in the past, but he, he had sort of 
seen his star dim in recent years. You know, he's he's off to the kind of start uh, where, where that would be possible. You know, I, I think there's a lot of them. The problem with All-Star Game, in a way, is most teams really only get one player. And so, you know, part of the, the pick isn't just that you're having a great season. It's, you know, start, it's, it's name value. It's all those sorts of things. And so, like, full credit to Gabe Velarde having a massive start with the Kings. But I, I just think ultimately, you know, it's maybe a Kevin Fiala or Drew Doughty or someone when, when it comes time to pick that team. Uh, but there's been a lot of players that that if you go to the scoring list and sort, there's a few names that you're used to seeing there that aren't there. And there's, uh, you know, a few guys that you'd be surprised are, are right up there off to off to an amazing start. From WPG Jets, are you surprised by the Winnipeg Jets? Good start. Would have guessed that WP Jets would be a Jets fan. Will Connor Hellebuck win the Vezina this year? He could. You know, he's going to have a hard uh, push, though, it looks like, from Carter Hart. You know, it was crazy. I looked it up on Sunday. So Carter Hart has 16 goals. Well, it's 15.9 goals saved above expected, and he's allowed 16 goals. So the expected value of his season through eight games was that he would allow 32 goals, and he'd only allowed 16. So that, I mean... That's a pretty crazy start. Now, I'm, I'm not sure that's sustainable. Uh, he faces a lot of pucks in Philly. We'll see. Obviously, Shosturkin and Vasilevsky and, and UC Saros and guys that are in the, the mix would be there. You know, Jake Ottinger, if, you know, once he's healthy in Dallas, uh, could be around there. But, you know, I, Hellbuck wouldn't surprise me if, if he wanted or was in the mix. And, and I think he's probably the biggest key to the, to the good start for Winnipeg. I'm, I'd say I'm a pleasantly surprised. I, I did – look at their team though. And I just see a lot of talent and Rick bonus has historically done a pretty good job of getting his teams to play better defensively. And I think that's been Winnipeg's biggest issue now, you know, unfortunately Rick has, has been out with, with COVID-19 for most of the season. He hasn't had a chance to, to run as many practices or be behind the bench there as, as you'd like. I think that there's still a lot of growth. The jets can, can have defensively. They're still, you know, they're still about an even goal differential team. So they've got a lot of wins, but it, um, you know, process has to still get a little better, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm hugely surprised because I, I did think they were a playoff caliber team and they've looked that way to start. From chaotic neutral on discord. What would you do if you won the Powerball? <laughs> the uh, next estimated jackpot is at $1.9 billion. I don't know. Like what, what would anyone do with that amount of money? I mean, first of all, I guess some obviously people have that amount of money that they've built a company or whatever, like crazy big company. And so you're used to it. But like if you hand someone like me who does not have anywhere near that kind of security slash whatever, I think it's a bit of a burden, frankly, to have that much money. I I, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll make sure to buy my my man Julian something nice. Um <laughs> I I have no clue. I, I'm not playing. The Powerball lottery. So I actually, I, it would scare me to get that much money. Like, I don't, what do you do with that? Everyone will look at you differently in your whole life. Like, everything, everything changes overnight. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want that kind of wealth. I think the fact that like people who probably you haven't spoken to in the longest while all of a sudden would be like, Hey, what's good, CJ? You got 1.9 billion. Congrats, brother. Like you're going to get a whole, that's what would scare me the most. Like all these people, like, look, like you say, looking at you different people, just looking at you like that would terrify me. If I won 1.9 billion, not million billion dollars. Right. And maybe, and, and maybe a better question. Cause 1.9 billion. It's just like, I can't even put my mind around that. 
But I, I have thought like, let's just say someone gave you 10 million or something that you think you could more or less retire on today. I, I'd still want to work. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm still at a spot where I, obviously I really love what I do. I love our podcast. So I'm not even, I wouldn't want to seek that amount of money even because I'm, you know, I guess it would be nice to just know that your future is taken care of in that way. But I don't know. I, I, you need, you need a purpose in your life. So, you know, I, I, I just avoid actually playing the lottery in general. It's funny. My birthday just passed and, uh, Coburg Papa gave me a lottery ticket in the card and I won $61. So, hey. which is pretty funny, but yeah, but like largely do avoid paying the lottery. That was one exception. And I won some money. So, so thanks dad. Hey, uh, $61. Hopefully that doesn't go to waste. Um, from Dallas stars fan on discord. Favorite chore around the house that makes you feel irrationally accomplished and least favorite chore around the house that you avoid at at absolutely all costs. I like doing the dishes for some reason. Like I, mm. I really like the process of doing the dishes, putting dish, dishes away out of the dishwasher, what have you. I've never minded that for, for whatever reason. Like even if you when we have a big family Thanksgiving, like I don't mind stepping in the kitchen for an hour and doing all those dishes. It doesn't. I find it kind of like oddly therapeutic or or soothing. Um, I can't say I love doing everything else though. I'm not I'm not a handyman or anything like that. So, you know, maybe like cleaning the windows or something might be the thing I would avoid the most. You know, any any sort of deep clean. But I, I like to keep a tidy house. I don't mind dishes and laundry and that stuff. But I'm not uh, I'm not spending the whole weekend scrubbing. Put it that way. <laughs> I feel my answer would be laundry for that one. I feel accomplished when I put together laundry, everything else like sweeping and stuff. I hate uh, one last one, uh, which I think is a good question. Uh, how do you handle calling out bad practice organizations while not damaging your relationship with those involved? Is there a point where you would deem the relationship not worth calling them out? This is from Jakers on Discord. It's I think it's a fair question. It's the sort of you know, when you do a job like mine, it's it's part of every decision you make in a sense. It's not that you're even conscious of it, but let's face it, you're, you know, when when I report something that someone might not want reported, you're, you're cognizant of the fact that you might be damaging their relationship. I think the only way you can do it is you have to be true to yourself. You have to be fair. You have to apologize or own it when you make mistakes, um, which do happen from time to time. And I think Ultimately, the, the truth is you can't be worried about every relationship. Like a lot of these relationships ebb and flow is my experience anyway. It's not like anyone GM or anyone agent or anyone person you talk to loves you all the time. Um, but I think if you're around and you're respectful and, and you do your job um, fairly, I think most people over time, you might go through a cool period where they don't like something you're doing, but generally they're going to go, do you know what? At least he was fair. And so... Something like this, I, you know, if you, if you're talking about the Bruins thing, like th there's no, there's there'd be no reason not to say what you think because I I just it's such a profoundly bad decision and and I think the people in charge of those decisions now realize that uh, a few days too late, but I mean I, I don't think that they they should expect criticism and and the questioning that they're getting. Yeah, and uh, that's a good way to end our Monday edition of the CJ show uh, siege pleasure as always. Uh, and I know today was a really tough episode to do in light of the Mitchell Miller thing, but I think you did an incredible job. Oh, thanks bud. 
you just don't want to say something wrong or, you know, it's hard to sometimes like the weight of all this, like you don't want it to come out the wrong way. So I hope we, I hope we were fair to the the victim and to the subject. I agree. Um, we'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. We'll have stick taps then subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and check out everything else on the SDPN network for CJ. I'm Julian saying so long and we'll be back on Thursday. The Chris Johnston show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.